right as you're getting your seat. How about saying hallelujah again? All right, hallelujah. Okay. I'm working with my stopwatch. How about that? Okay. We're going to stop it. We're going to reset it. And we're going to start it. And you're going to open up your Bible to 1 Timothy, all right? Okay, we're going to get it done this morning. We, uh, we're in our Soul to Soul series. If anybody has taken that little changer, that little pusher where you change the slides, please, uh, we'd like to requisition it and get it back up here. Or we'll just simply uh, manually uh, move the slides along. Okay, we're in our Soul to Soul uh, series. We've been talking about relationships in the Bible. And we started off in Psalm 23 with the relationship we have with God. He is our shepherd and we are the sheep. Okay, and he shepherds over us, he leads us, he guides us, he restores our soul, and we're able to get our strength from him. That's how we can get the strength to have, uh, to build and maintain godly relationships with each other. And we've gone through a lot of examples on that. Jeff talked about the relationship with Paul and Barnabas, some of the early leaders, and then also his relationship, Paul and the other uh, leaders there, their relationship with the elders. There's a very specific plan in the Bible for elders, for New Testament elders. And you're here this morning because you have an interest not only in God and in Jesus Christ, but in the Scriptures, okay? And so we're going to drill down for about 25 minutes or so on the role of a New Testament elder. Now, we got a couple of different types of responses today, I know, because I've been where you are and sitting in those chairs. And, and they may even, over, in the overgeneralization uh, sense, represent two different approaches to Christianity and the Bible. We're going to go over, in fairly rapid uh, way, many of the passages on the, the role of an elder and a leader in our lives in Jesus' church. There will be some of you that just, you just had the spiritual energy and vitality just to make it here this morning. And we're glad you're here. You're on your journey. Some of you maybe haven't been in the church for a while, or some of you maybe had a bad week, or you're distracted, and you're just, I mean, the worship is with good, we're going to have a communication, uh, a communion in a minute, and I'll take up our contribution, but, but we're just glad you're here. And hope you'll, you'll get a sense of what we believe and what we're all about. On the other hand, we do have a lot of people here this morning that really deeply study the Scriptures, the Word of God. You base your life around them. You'll take these passages and these Scriptures, and we talk about appointing additional elders in, in God's church, in Jesus' church, you're very keenly aware, I need to know what the Bible says on this, and I need to know what their role is and what my role is in the church of Christ. And so, what, what you will do, you'll take these passages, and you will read them over, and you'll get the context, and you'll be able to say, how do I apply these principles and this role in my life? And I really hope Thank you. I really hope that's where most of us will be, all right, because that's, uh, that, that, that's the plan. First, uh, first Timothy, let's turn there. All right, as we, as we move on, here is a, here is a, uh, a, you know, an interesting passage, you know, here. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double back to, to this passage, okay, uh, uh, in, in Hebrews chapter 13. Okay, this is, this is a passage that is not necessarily everybody's favorite passage in the Bible. 
but it does speak to leadership in the church. God created leadership. He created families. He created, you know, his body. And here it tells us that our attitude should be in Jesus' church that we obey or submit to our leaders for they keep watch over your soul. Now, I just put this passage up here, not only because it has something about the role of an elder, which is to watch over our souls, okay, but also our role, which is to submit and obey in things that relate to Jesus' church. And you'll notice it, it, it's the whole idea of our soul. We have a soul. We need to maintain our soul in our godly relationships, our relationship with God. But here's the thing. Leaders in Jesus' church, according to the Bible, have a role in helping us with our soul. That's important. And so you'll write this one down and you'll go back to this. Okay, let's talk for a little bit this morning about elders, evangelists, teachers, and deacons. And we're going to focus on elders, but you're going to see the Bible has a lot of the, uh, the letters to the churches that, that greet the elders and deacons in the church. It also tells us in Ephesians 4 that we'll look at in just a minute that God gives gifts to the church. He gives us individual gifts to use to serve other people, but he gives gifts to us in the church, and he says among those gifts are evangelists, elders or pastors, teachers, and the reason that he does that is to equip God's people to do the work of the ministry so that we all can become mature. There's a role. This is very important as we start going through these, these passages. This is God's idea, not ours. This is God's plan for evangelists, elders, deacons, it's not our idea. We didn't come up, you know, with that, and that's a very, very important thing. You know, God is going to do what he's going to do, right? He'll either do it through us and with us, or he'll just let us die out and find somebody else. This is clearly in the Bible, right? You've seen it many times, most uh, dramatically there in the 40 years in the wilderness, as people got stubborn and decided not to follow God. He just let them all die off and start it all over again. He did it in a more dramatic way in Genesis, but we won't get into that one, okay? This is, this is very important. As we go through this, this is God's plan. It's his idea. The church is God's idea. It's not ours. How it's organized, how we function is God's plan. It's not something we came together. And here's, here's where we're, we're starting off in 1 Timothy. You can look along. Now, 1 Timothy, many of you know this, that that's the passage where we have a very full description of what are the characteristics of a leader in God's church and specifically an elder. And he also talks about deacons in that passage. You could more rightly define it as what are the qualities that an elder or a leader in God's church you know, would have. It's not simply a checklist because many of these things are subjective, okay? And, uh, but, but they're clearly, this is the, 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 the way a man lives, you know, in his life. But here's what he says right after giving these uh, characteristics and qualifications, sometimes we call them, of being an elder in God's church. This is where he goes. Right after talking about elders, right after talking about deacons, okay? He says, here's, here's why I'm, I'm giving you this. Where, uh, where, where is Paul writing this letter to? He's writing it to Timothy, and where is Timothy? He's in Ephesus. It's a pretty large church, and it's one of the largest cities in the known world at that time. And so he's writing to this younger minister, and he's telling him, okay, 
I'm writing these things, and the ones I just wrote you about, about leadership in the church, elders, deacons, etc. The word for deacon and minister, diakonia, exactly the same word, same qualities, same kind of serving role. Although I hope to come to you soon, Paul says, I'm writing you these instructions so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, the word oikos, or a family, a household, uh, God's family or household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of the truth. Was the church important in the first century yes. to the apostles, to the members? They understood why it is really, the church is the pillar and the bulwark. It stands for the truth. It, it, it's a leaven and light in society. And yet there's a way we do things in the church and the way we relate to each other. This is a lot of what Jeff talked about, you know, last week. And there's leadership that is uh, exercised and that is followed and that is, uh, is maintained in a very similar way. In, uh, in, and you'll notice if you're there in First uh, Timothy, um, well, let's, let's go into Ephesians, because here, here's something, you know, interesting. I may have, I may have jumped over here. All right. Um, what I want to do is, is find Ephesians chapter 3.10. And uh, I had a long flight last night, got back, and so I could have these ordered a little bit messed up. But don't worry. Come to the second service, we'll have this all nailed. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10. His intent, okay, God's intent, God's plan, again, not ours. If you'd written the Bible or me, it would be very different, okay? But his intent, his plan is through what? The church. That's us. That's just not our own personal quiet time or walk with God or walking with the Spirit. That's every day. That's 24-7. That's the foundation of our faith and our walk with God. But he places us in a spiritual family. And in his church, it's very important because this is the pillar and the bulwark of the truth. And, and he's going to tell us here, here's how God's wisdom is manifest to Marietta and to Atlanta and to Kennesaw. And it gets out. He says his intent was that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to everybody, to the rulers and to in the authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Jesus Christ our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. This is just another thing. Uh, for those of you who grew up like me that were not churched, okay, I really... Maybe I went to church once a, once a year. And most of my life, you know, growing up, except up until age four when I got dragged by my grandmother. But I, I was not a church guy. The church was not something that had a particular appeal to me. Not just the organization or sitting here, but I mean the morals, everything else. Okay, I was into other things, all right, as far as that goes. But what, uh, but what I understood when I started studying the Bible and decided to follow Jesus and that he's my hero and he really is Lord, is the church is important to God, so it's got to be important to me. It's like the person sitting next to you. You may care less about him, to tell you the truth. You may not even know their name yet. They may have irritated you with their singing. Whether it was too loud, off-key, or just, uh, they just stood there like a bump on a log. Either way, that could happen. They may have taken your parking place, okay? But it's Jesus' church. He loves that person. He died for the person next to us, right? So, I get to love her back. Or him back. 
That's just really clear, and that's why, again, the church and Christianity is not all about me and my needs, but it's about loving God, serving God, loving people, changing the world, being his body. This is really important, okay? God dispenses his wisdom through the church. It's not by direct intervention of an angel. Does an angel ever come down and talk to somebody and stop them in their tracks like Saul of Tarsus? Well, maybe. I don't know. Sure doesn't happen often, does it? If it's happened to you, come see me. I'd like to hear your story, honestly. But you see really clearly in the Bible, it's God sends people to people. Philip to the eunuch, et cetera, et cetera. That's, he uses the body of Christ. And one of the strongest reasons why, well, just this week, seven people have made Jesus Lord, been baptized into Christ, and added to God's kingdom and his church right here among us. And there was one primary reason for that, God's Holy Spirit, okay, and God. But what he used was the Scripture, the Word of God, and he used the body of Christ. Because when people come and they see a group of people really trying to live this out and put it into practice and loving each other and a, a, a diverse, intergenerational, godly, friendly people working on their lives. They see it lived out and you see Jesus in each other, in, in each other and it impacts people's lives. Impacted mine, impacted, in, impacted yours. And as we go on in Ephesians, you see, uh, it, if, if you're following these passages along, you're just reading in Ephesians chapter, you know, uh, four as you go on. Here's the passage I referred to a little bit earlier, and that is that God has given as gifts, you know, um, if somebody can show me how to keep my iPhone from turning off in like three minutes, that would be a terrific fellowship opportunity for me, okay? So I don't have to keep putting in my silly password. All right, my technical challenges, they've been well documented, but there you go, okay? In Ephesians chapter 4, this is where he says, this is the gift. If we have new elders, they're a gift. They're deacons of the church, it's a gift. If you have evangelists in the church, it's a gift. You know, we have a teacher. We're blessed to have a congregational teacher, Douglas Jacoby, and others who are great teachers in here. It's a gift. Our children's ministry teachers, they're a gift. And they're used to build up the body of Christ. How? What's the point? The point is, so they equip us to do the work of the ministry, for us to get out and be disciples and disciple makers, and to love people, and to spread his good news, but also so the body of Christ, that is the church, can be built up and come to maturity. So we all can be like Jesus. God uses that in his life. This is not a weird concept. As we all know, God uses leadership, whether it's on a sports team, an organization, a country, a family. This is not foreign to us. And God uses leaders and they're his ideas in the church, not ours. So what do we want to do with this? Well, let's talk about, you know, some, some kind of counterpracticals kind of and specifics here. All right? Uh, uh, a New Testament elder. Okay? What exactly is their biblical role and responsibility? We've presented three uh, men for consideration to, uh, to, to become additional elders in the church here, uh, as Bob and, and uh, Ross and John and Ken said last week. Uh, there are others who certainly are qualified and will be asked to serve in these roles as well as a little time, you know, goes on. But um, we're, we're presenting these men to you, and it's a good question to ask, okay, what exactly is their role and responsibility in our life as, you know, a, a, as a church? And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast forward to, uh, or backwards, I'll work on this at the break. 
How about that one? How about Acts 20? You want to look at Acts 20? Okay, Acts 20 and verse 7. Here we go. Uh, from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus to the elders of the church. Now, this is a church we've just been reading about in 1 Timothy and in Ephesus. Timothy's the minister in Ephesus or evangelist there. The book of Ephesians is written to the church in Ephesus. Paul spent several years there, and here he's gathering the elders of the church. And he's going to use three names, three terms that are used synonymously in the Bible for an elder. You see this here in Acts 20 and also in 1 Peter chapter. 5 verses 1 through 5 that we'll get to in just a little bit. But Paul, so he, get, he calls for the elders. This is significant. He's getting ready to head to Jerusalem. He tells them, no, you're not going to see me again. The, God has revealed to me by his spirit that my time has come. I, pr- I probably, you'll never see my face again. They cried and they hugged each other. And we read about that last week when Jeff took us there at the end of his lesson. But here's what he does. He calls them together, the elders, and here's what he says to them. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which God has made you overseers and and, uh, overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God. These are the three terms that are used interchangeably for this role in the New Testament. An elder, and he talks about it in 1 Peter chapter 5, you know the elders should be an example Okay, so they lead by example. They're older. They've got, uh, they're mature. They're seasoned. They have families, you know, that they've been able to raise and are living a great, you know, a, you know, an exemplary life, you know, in their marriage and they're taking care of their families and they're devoted. But they're also overseers. I mean, study that term. You're not going to like it that much. I'll tell you that because it's about somebody being over you. Okay, in the Lord. Americans, we do not like that at all. We like to be our own boss, okay, on that. But God in the church, for matters of the church, he has overseers, people who help oversee us. And what else is their role? It's to be a shepherd. We, we, class, we talk about that a lot, how they help shepherd the flock. We're going to come back to this in a minute because there's a very interesting question for each one of us. Do you believe that you need God to shepherd your life? Do you? Do you agree with the Bible that you need elders to shepherd your life? Hmm, okay, I got the first one down. Yeah, okay. These guys don't even know me. You may, but listen, there is a role for God's leaders and God's elders to also help shepherd us. It's a flock. It needs to be fed. It needs to be protected. Why? Keep reading the Bible. Acts chapter 20 again. This is for your, your study. He says, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know The Apostle Paul says, after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you. They're not going to spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. That must have been very sobering for that group of elders to get together and Paul to look them in the eye and say, I know some of you are going to go off off the rails and you're going to lead some people astray. Okay, that's a sobering warning to any of us because if elders can mess up, all of us can, right? Okay, and so we just, we need each other in our lives. Even some of your own men will arise and distort the truth. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning you day and night with tears. All right. In Titus chapter 1, verse 5, again, I'm giving these things. Again, if you're in that first category, just enjoy. Hey, enjoy the fact that there are people looking at your, the Bible. And you're here in a place 
where you can grow spiritually and you can clear your head and uh, have a wonderful day. For the rest of us, let's get in and study the scriptures. Dig in and see how these things so I can understand them better and apply them with because it clearly is God's idea and God's plan. Here's what he says. He told another young evangelist named Titus in Titus chapter 1. This is the next chapter where you have the list of qualities of an elder and some of their role and their responsibility. And he tells them, the reason I left you in this island of Crete is so that you might put in order what's unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. That's what a growing, mature church has. When you have, you know, men that are uh, experienced enough and are uh, all these qualities, you can go back and read in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and in Titus chapter 1. Okay, and they have these qualities and they're seasoned and they've served and they're examples to the flock. He says, I want you to go and appoint these elders everywhere, wherever you go in every church. He goes on in Titus chapter 1, if you're, if you're in that part of Scripture. He, he, here's some of the, the, the things that an elder is called by God to, to have in his life. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. For there are many rebellious people full of meaningless talk and deception, especially those of the circumcision group. That was one of the the doctrinal challenges of that day, you know, that was, was trying to take people back instead of forward in their faith. He goes on, he says, they must be silenced. Strong word, right. Because they are disrupting whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach, and that for dishonest gain. Is that pretty strong? An elder has a responsibility that we're teaching the right things in church. And you go, well, why, why is it? Hey, we all love God. It's going to be great. What are we worried about? Take, take a walk down memory lane, uh, lane, gang. Think about it. You can't, sometimes, you know, does a fish know he's, you know, the water's wet? That's such a saying to say, you don't really know when you're swimming in your own culture and your own environment, sometimes you don't see what's obvious to other people outside of it. What's some examples? Throughout Christianity, this has been over and over and over again. Whether you go in Revelation chapter 2 and 3 and you see how some of the churches only 30 or 40 years had veered off and were needed to be rebuked by, by Jesus and to have the first love that they had and to get back fired up for God, but it even gets more serious. Go back a thousand years. This is where Christianity is so thrown under the bus. Go back a thousand years and they go, I can't believe in your God. Look at the things you've done in the Crusades and you're going out and killing people and cutting off their heads in the name of Jesus. And you look back on that and you say, dang, that's jacked up. Right? I'm just quoting my brother Jeff, okay? I'm to be a little relatable here. You go back 500 years and you're talking about the basic primary uh, strain of Christianity that was pretty much unrivaled back then, they were burning people at the stake, drowning them because they wanted to translate the Bible. Crazy stuff, Spanish Inquisition stuff. You look back on that and you go, that is jacked up. And this was in the name of Jesus and with with Christian quote-unquote leaders. You can go back a hundred years in our own country. We're not so blameless ourselves. 
And you go back and you see, whoa, 100 years from now, Christian people, they were promoting racism in a horrible way. And you look back and you go, ah, that's, that's terrible. I guess sometimes you don't see it. And even today, I mean, wow, Christianity, churches can be one of the most segregated places in the entire country. You don't, sometimes you don't see it. You don't see what you're swimming in. And yeah, there are a lot of forces that will try to get the church off. And that's where the Bible comes in, right? It's where godly Christian leaders come in, and you and me need them. Okay, let's get... uh, uh, I'm going to come back here, okay, about this shepherding thing, okay? It's in there somewhere, okay? Um, While I'm I'm referring to this... um, We'll have to talk about this some more later, but it's, it's very, you know, it's very popular and it's very in vogue these days to talk about, well, hey, um, you know, let's just, let, small groups, they're important, let's just meet in little house churches, you know, with a few of our friends, and that'll be our church. House churches are in the Bible, clearly, but you got 5,000 me- men, members in Jerusalem, and you got a group of elders that are over the church. You got Ephesus, a huge city and a huge church with many small groups. But Paul calls the elders to, you know, together, we need those kind of leaders in our life. It's just how God put it together. You know, we need big church. We need smaller church. We need people involved in our lives. And we do, uh, and we do need shepherds. What's my role and responsibility? I'm just going to roll through some of these passages so that you, so that you have them. Okay, 1 Timothy 5, the elders who direct the affairs of the church are well worth a double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Scripture says, don't muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain. The worker deserves his wages. If they're elders here, you say, I wish you'd gotten this passage earlier. I know. Uh, we actually don't compensate our, you know, our present elders, except we thank them for working themselves a lot, okay, and caring for us. But it would be right and fair to be able to, especially people that are doing teaching, you know, to be able to give them some sort of compensation and appreciation. But for definitely you give them honor. You give them honor because of who God has, has, has called them to be in the role they have. It even goes on in this passage in 1 Timothy 5. Don't even accept an accusation against an elder except two or three witnesses. But those elders who sent you are to reprove uh, before everyone so they may take warning. Now, Jeff and I have a role too as evangelists. We got to make sure, and this is what Paul wrote to Timothy in this passage, that elders are qualified to serve. And, and also that if they sin, they get rebuked. Uh, publicly, if they're sending publicly. And, well, of course, that goes with all of us. Okay? But there is a, there's a responsibility. Anybody read James chapter 3? Not many of you desire to be teachers because you're going to be held under stricter judgment. Did you get the eye? Did you, did you read Hebrews chapter 3, 17? Obey your leaders. Submit to their authority because they give. Watch over your souls as men who must give an account. How would you like it to give an account for this 1,200 people in this church? And stand before God. You know, they need prayer. They need encouragement, okay, and, and, you, know, and, you, know, and you know, and our support. I charge you in the sight of God. This is what God says to Timothy and certainly to evangelists, you know, here. You got, you got to keep these things without favoritism. 
okay? It needs to be a level playing field for, you know, for, for everybody. And here, we're going to close out here. To uh, the elders among you, Peter, Peter was an elder. He said, I want you to lead by example. Take this one down and study this out. And uh, again, you have these three words, uh, elder and shepherd and overseer. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. I'm going to close out with this, okay? Are you willing to be shepherded? If you've been to New North River, you have to agree, you know, you know, you just have to verbally agree, yes, I understand the role of elders and leaders in the church, and I am going to submit, you know, to their authority. Now, you have to agree with that, because the Bible, you got to do that somewhere, whether it's in this church or anywhere else, if you're a believer, and if you're following, you know, the scriptures. It's, you know, this is not like a negotiable part on that. Uh, do you like to be shepherded? Do you like to submit? Thank you, brother. I didn't like it at 20. I quit about every organization I was in because of the rules, including I would have been a tremendous football player in high school, except I had to get a haircut, and I was in a band, and so I refused to do it. That's my excuse. Um, I'd get three haircuts in one day in high school. Okay, they kept sending me back. Okay, I was rebellious. I didn't want anybody telling me what to do. That, that DNA is still in me. I don't like to submit now, 40 years later, but it's healthy for me. It protects me. You know, it's God's plan. How about you? You willing to submit to Jesus as Lord? You willing to submit to the scriptures? You willing to let him be the one who calls the shots in our life? You know, God will do what he's going to do. Hopefully, we'll be along with him. Okay? And humbly follow him as he shepherds our lives and pray for the godly men who are also called to be shepherds and leaders in God's, God's church. It's right. It's good. It's holy. You may need to digest some of these scriptures some more. Okay? And, 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 and it's, it's Veterans Day weekend. We salute all of you that are veterans and serving our country. I think Jeff, I think Jeff is going to do that, uh, you know, a little bit later on the service. But I would also like to salute those of you who are veterans in the faith. And you have stuck with it. For 20, 30, 40 years, you're here. And you're willing to be, you know, example. And we, we salute you too. Let's pray for communion and really seek to have as clean and open and pure a heart as we can before the Lord. Father, we've tackled a, um, a topic this morning that isn't particularly popular in our culture or even in the many churches around us. And uh, we're asking you to, for your grace to submit to you and your plan. Father, thank you that Jesus submitted to the cross. Thank you that he's the ultimate good shepherd. And Father, help us to submit to you as we take this communion, just offer ourselves to you. Always be grateful and appreciative for what you've done in our lives, but also for the men and women that you've led into our lives that help serve us and lead us and shepherd us. We're just so thankful. And we take this communion together as a body of Jesus in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.